I'm going to run in and go to the bathroom because I'm like on a six hour drive right now. This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. Welcome to the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast, the show that brings innovations in healthcare from around the country to your podcast app. This is Adrian from Coleman Associates. I think at this point, we all heard the dire warnings in news articles about healthcare staffing as the pandemic surges on. This is a topic that was almost always an issue when associates would work and coach health centers in their dramatic performance improvement journeys, even before COVID-19. I've lost count of how many teams I have coached, but it's definitely over 100 across the country. And I think my teams have brought up staffing issues 95% of the time. But now with COVID-19, there are added challenges. Oftentimes, staff are quarantined or out sick after a COVID-19 exposure. There are increased risks related to burnout. And many staff are being recruited for work in higher levels of care, like their local hospital. I know that as a registered nurse, I get nearly daily calls, text messages, and emails for crisis staffing positions with recruiters offering up to $100 per hour. But don't worry, Melissa, I'm not going anywhere. Ryan and I had a great conversation about staffing in health centers and how to use community health nurses to their full potential a few weeks ago. Full disclosure, as many people have changed the way they work during COVID-19, I've shifted the time that I used to be in airports all the time to more driving cross-country. So my audio in this conversation isn't amazing because I had just pulled over at a rest stop near the Oklahoma-Kansas border. That being said, in an admittedly meta fashion, let's listen to Ryan and my conversation about dealing with staffing. Hey, Adrian. (laughs) What are some problems that uh, health centers are kind of encountering right now as they're trying to deliver care in this new world? Yeah, I think staffing right now is a problem for everybody that I talk to. (laughs) Right, yeah, it's just Um, a new way. And I should say it wasn't, it, that's not really a new problem, but it has new dimensions now, mm, okay. uh, partially because it, it, trying to staff screening, trying to staff any tents or drive throughs that you have going on, right. staff outages because they're sick, um, yeah. people yeah. working from home still, it just creates this huge mess that uh, I talked to a chief nursing officer recently, and mm-hmm. uh, she, she described it as it brings her some chest tightness. whenever she thinks about the schedule. Yeah, right. Yeah, so there are a lot of new roles, new people in those roles, new assignments within the clinic, um, to the point you asked. So uh, what are some innovative solutions you've seen for staffing all these these new things on an old problem? I think the key to staffing, first of all, is look at your data, right? Mm -hmm. So often we place people in a role because we have an idea of what that's supposed to be. Um, for instance, screening, right, is right. I think organizations put a lot of people on screening very mm-hmm. early on in the COVID-19 uh, crisis, which makes total sense. But often mm-hmm. they might need fewer people than that now. They might be able to do just one thought, one single screening and not have them at every single door. Same with testing is I think um, in some instances we're seeing where People are not doing nearly as many tests as they thought that they were going to be doing. And so they're able to staff both screening and testing with the same people. I think the first first thing you should do is look at your data and figure out 
do we really need to staff all of the places that we say that we do? Gotcha. What you really don't want to do is you don't want to pull someone who can be used on the floor to help a provider see more patients whenever we're trying to ramp up and see our patients that we weren't able to see for quality metrics and right. three months follow-up visits and new patients and well-child visits. <laughs> we don't want to, you know, uh, we don't want to rob from them so that we can staff someone who's highly skilled to sit at the front and end up screening very few people. Right. Yeah. Not, that that's not the goal. So some old solutions that I'm just thinking about in some of our conversations we've had and just generally is, you know, looking at data like cycle time and how much are you actually doing? So when you're saying looking at the data, like, are you, are you talking about similar concepts of like breaking the work down and trying to figure out how much people can do? Like, what can you talk me a little through of what looking at data would look like? Sure. So I think one, one big piece that is a lot of organizations are staffing a testing tent or a testing area. And so one question I always ask is, okay, how many people are you testing per day on average? Okay. And that's figuring that out. And not uncommonly, I hear from organizations, well, we're testing one person a day or one person a week, maybe more. And if your organization is seeing more than that, you certainly need to staff that. But right. if you're only testing a handful of people, that doesn't require a full person. Maybe you could right. think creatively about having screeners send people to the testing and either the screeners do the testing or they walkie-talkie somebody to come out and test that person if needed. Okay. Um, and that, that can help the organization to save sort of a body so that they can use it where it's most needed. So just being realistic then, about the volume and what people are doing and where they're putting their resources. Absolutely. And I would say it's something that you really have to keep a finger on the pulse for because it changes. Is mm. Even those people that were doing testing a lot earlier, some of that has decreased and vice versa. As we see organizations that are really ramping up their testing mm -hmm. um, compared to what they did earlier in the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Um, another older solution that I'm a big fan of um, is if there is significant variance in your care teams and how many patients they're seeing, uh -huh. you can always staff, staff to productivity. Okay. And so not every organization has this problem, but some organizations have certain care teams that are seeing significantly fewer patients than other care teams. So this would be I a should, discussion of like, I see a lot of patients, can I have a second MA? The answer to your model is yeah if you meet a certain threshold you could you we could afford a second medical assistant kind of thing is that what you're talking about like old old school old pre 2020 yeah i think i think that makes a lot of sense and um there there are a few caveats right is like if you're looking at different specialties sometimes they still need comparable staffing even if their productivity doesn't look the exact same like almost always for pediatrics you can see more patients but you do legitimately need some assistance with the getting shots um, I would say if you're looking at more of like an IM population you sometimes still need additional staff members especially if um, medical assistants or whoever the support staff are doing things like referrals or doing uh, drawing their own labs those kinds of things so it, you always have to kind of watch the data around that but if you have if you have teams that are pretty apples to apples and they're maybe they're still ramping up still building their panel or if there's something else going on is you can consider putting more of your resources into the people that are really you know feeding your organization seeing your patients seeing the bulk of your patients versus staffing somebody who might not have enough to do. Yeah. So one model, so you said look at data, another one would be staff towards productivity, which would kind of be a build off of data, knowing what your data was to be able to staff that way. Absolutely. 
Okay. Another big thing that I that has come up a lot for me since COVID-19, um, it, it came up before, but it's been particularly uh, relevant recently, is what do you do with nurses in Ooh. community health? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's just generally a question of what, you know, what is the role of a nurse in primary care period, right? But most certainly in community health. Yeah. Um, so talk to me, is it just, is it role confusion or is it just the uncertainty or the flip floppy? Like what, what do you mean a little bit of like this uncertainty of what to do with, uh, with a nurse? Well, I think there's a couple reasons why people run into that uncertainty. Okay. One is that not, not uncommonly we see that nurses were brought on as a part of a grant. So at mm -hmm. one time they had a really specific role that they had to play, but that isn't really the case anymore. Right. Okay. Uh, I, we also see some health centers that bring them on because people say, well, we need nurses, but they don't really have an idea of what those nurses are going to be for. Okay. That's not that uncommon. And then I think some, some people had nurses doing other things in the past that um, may have been outsourced elsewhere. So for instance, right. doing things like labs or um, a lot of people had nurses originally and moved more to like a medical assistant model, but now what do we do with the nurses? And so okay. that, that's just a, a common question that we end up running into for a whole variety of reasons. Yeah, and so it's being complicated by the, the stresses of 2020 just because of budget constraints or COVID uncertainty. So is it just amplified through current situation? Sure. So I think that one, from a budget standpoint, nurses are significantly more expensive than a medical assistant. And if your volumes are down, then what most health centers end up doing some version of is what we call the saga of the phone nurse, where you have a nurse who is sitting in an office somewhere, responding to lab messages, answering phones, maybe being triaged in a, in a call center, mm -hmm. and they aren't really adding to what's going on on the floor um, gotcha. and so people have really tested with using nurses differently because they found that they actually might need to do triage now instead of it being so outdated for COVID-19 patients or using them as screeners and so the question is coming back so okay what do we do with the nurses like what's the best practice around gotcha so what are some best practices you've seen out there in the world Sure. So I think I think the big thing is really from a from how expensive a nurse is, is you get the most bang for your buck if they are integrated with your care teams on the floor. It doesn't mean that you have one nurse to every provider. That rarely right. works out from a budgetary perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but shared between shared between different patient care teams, and I think the reason that that can be really powerful is um, the nurse. And I'm a little bit biased, and frankly, you are too, Ryan, because we're both <laughs> nurses. But a nurse, a nurse can be like a truce with army knife um, as far as how they apply to a patient care team because they can do, if, if they're trained appropriately, they can do everything that an MA does, and they can do a lot of what a provider does. And right, so they yeah. can they can fit in anywhere that you need, like a, a whole build on a patient care team. Right. Um, and instead, we're basically boxing them into this tiny office where all they do is just click off the check boxes on the computer screen or on paper or some version of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to answer your question, yeah, like, are we biased? I think you and I most certainly are. I think it really just depends on your state's practice act and what they, you know, what the scope of a nurse is. Generally, I think across the majority of states, it's pretty equal. But, you know, nurses can make assessments and they can do those assessments and act based on that assessment which is much different than a medical assistant where, you know, they can ask questions, but they can't make determine, they can't determine or make some kind of decision from that assessment, which is 
totally empowering to a nurse in a screening situation because they can ask the questions and be like, oh, you tested positive for travel or you tested positive for exposure. So now let's go down an A, B, C, or D pathway, um, which makes them super helpful in the screening and triaging role. Yeah, I think... I think that the cool thing about a nurse is, and you know, I think that whenever we first started out is we saw a lot of people putting nurses in screening positions, which makes mm-hmm. total sense, right? Yeah. Because before you, before you have a tool, you really do need a nurse. Right. Um, we're seeing more and more people swap out and have their MAs or, or front desk staff or dental staff that are still furloughed doing the screening role because now right. they have good tools around screening. And processes. Um, yeah, I think the cool thing that a nurse can do is they don't see every patient that comes in with the patient care team, but let's say that they see every third patient, they can fill out a good chunk of the HPI. They can certainly go further than a medical assistant. So it helps with things like making sure charting is getting completed or making sure that whenever the provider goes in, they're really working to the top of their license, which can be really helpful. And what I've what I've seen in particular in health centers is anytime that you have have multiple types of visits in a session. And I'm not talking about, you know, we have like new patients, chronic patients, uh, kids, adults. I mean, like, if you are if you have drive-through visits, if you have mm-hmm. telehealth visits, and then you right. have in-person visits all mixed in, yeah. sometimes the timings get a little bit wonky. So having that Swiss Army knife that's able to jump in wherever is a huge boon to those care teams. To your point, it's important to integrate them into a variety of care teams would be that Swiss Army knife for those care teams to jump in and do different things. Precisely. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen uh, COVID testing, nurse-led COVID testing uh, as an alternative of, of something that, you know, that I've seen going on. Um, what are some other things that you've seen out there um, other than kind of this Swiss Army knife in the care team to help maybe do HPIs and other things? Have you seen anything else kind of extraordinary or super innovative? Um, There was a clinic that I worked with out in West Virginia, and what they started doing was exactly like you said. They had um, nurses that were running their COVID screening tent, and then when the nurse felt like it was appropriate, they just um, had the iPads that they could do telehealth with them, and their their provider that's actually in the building would then do a telehealth visit for those people in the tent um, so that they could, so that they were still able to bill for those visits. And it wasn't just the COVID screening, which really was, it was really helpful from a staffing perspective because it turns out that if you're trying to, one, ramp up the number of patients that you're seeing in the clinic and still staff attend, it's very challenging. So so you're saying that, so I understand what this looks like, is that the nurse is running like a uh, COVID screening process and if patients were symptomatic, then they would convert those over to kind of provider type visits through telehealth. And we even saw them running the COVID testing okay. um, aspect. If they needed a provider to like write the prescription for the test or write write a referral for it, mm-hmm. then they could bring them in via telehealth on an iPad, even though they were, you know, maybe 50 feet apart because they were in the parking lot. Um, right. And that was able to keep the provider moving on the inside and the nurse was really running the clinic on the outside, which is great. Figuring out the staffing puzzle is frequently the stuff of nightmares for managers, even when we aren't in the middle of a historic pandemic. I hope these tips and tricks will help you sleep a little bit better at night. You can find the article I mentioned called The Saga of the Phone Nurse at colemanassociates.com, along with many other free resources. You can catch up with the Chispas in real time on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. 
Thanks to Ryan for being my gracious interviewer and for sharing the virtual podcast production studio with me. Thanks to Jonathan at Bionic Squid for all his podcasting know-how. This is the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast, and we'll see you next time.